Hello there, this is Fiona, host and main GM for What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. This is a bonus Q&A episode to tide us over to the next one-shot, and it is indeed a very special Q&A, as this week I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Charlie Mendez, the writer and game designer behind the upcoming solo RPG, Don't Play This Game, a cursed RPG of handcrafted found footage horror. This game isn't normal. It's cursed. Once you know about it, the entity will come for you. Then you'll have to play. Don't Play This Game is a legacy solo tabletop role-playing game about someone, i.e. you, who has been cursed to play a game with a mysterious entity. Journal, document, create, explore, and scare the living shit out of you in a unique experience that takes horror beyond the tabletop. Once you finish a story, then it gets really interesting. Carry on with a new character who finds your old recording, or curse another player and turn this solo game multiplayer. We've spoken to Charlie before on What Am I Rolling about Shiver, Parable Games' flagship horror RPG, which brings your favourite scary movies, spooky TV shows and horror stories to life. I love the concept behind Don't Play This Game. As a massive fan of solo RPGs, found footage films and horror games in general, this is right up my street. The kickstart of a Don't Play This Game will go live in early October, so do please go and check it out. I'll put links to the Kickstarter and to Parable Games' website where you can catch the latest updates from them about their RPGs on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Brilliant. Well, we'll just start with a nice, simple, easy question. Who are you and what do you do? Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the lead writer um, creative at Parable Games, as well as various other hats, um, as we tend to do in our company. (laughs) I I just now imagine Parable just has a huge hat stand when you come in and you're like, who, what am I today? (laughs) Several on top. (laughs) Yes, well, we've had you on before, Charlie. It's wonderful to have you back. Last time you were talking about Shiver, and at the time you were obviously releasing your two starter sets for that, Blockbuster and Splasher. How are they going, by the way? They're going fantastic. I'm just finishing up um, some test print files uh, for the starter boxes at the moment. So we're going to be getting our samples very, very soon and kind of just tweaking it all. Everything is pretty much written we're just going through final edits on stuff now um as well so just doing those minor tweaks so our regular kind of followers and backers will probably want to keep out an eye for probably pdfs relatively soon in the next couple of months we're hoping and we'll start rolling out some of the pdfs so yes very exciting very very, really looking forward to seeing what people think of these because they're quite different from the ones we've done so far yeah because i remember you saying last time about like like horror is kind of for everyone and there's always a flavor of horror of some kind whether it is that's a big blockbuster like honey i shrunk the kids jurassic Mm. park-esque or the slasher or anything like in between because it's yeah because it's sometimes when you go oh we're gonna play a horror game people go oh no and you're like no 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 it's it's not like that at all so it's yeah Mm. so that's what i really loved about talking with you last time like that shiver you can play any kind of flavor horror game and it can be in any period as well but that's not what we're talking about today (laughs) you've gone as well as like being incredibly successful like the shiver stuff you've gone i'm just gonna i'm just gonna dip in and do something else so tell us what is don't play this game in general like what is it that you've sort of sent to me in my inbox i was like what is this game (laughs) exciting 
So don't play this game um, in brackets. Please do. Um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a reason it's called Don't Play This Game. And mm. the idea is, is that it's a solo RPG, but with some differences is, mm. is what I would say. So did you ever get like a chain email or a chain letter? Like when you're a kid in your teens being like, pass this on to 10 people or you're going to die or something yeah. terrible is going to happen. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that sort of feeling and going, oh, I don't know. Yeah, there was a, a moment of like, is this a thing? Is this not? And then deleting it and then going, oh, no. I'm sure it's fine, you know. <laughs> For me, I'm very much like child of ninety, so it's like I remember like early hotmail, like MSN, yep. that kind yep. of thing, like weird things coming through and being like, oh, do I pass this on? Very, very strange. So we kind of took that idea and that feeling and thought, what if that was a solo RPG where something that we call the entity basically mm-hmm. attaches itself to your life and decides it wants to play a game with you. Right. And this isn't snakes and ladders, it's more <laughs> it wants to make bad things happen in your life spooky things creepy things and challenge you to survive but also as part of the game it gets you to create what we call a record where you write things down but rather than just journaling where kind of a lot of other um, solo rpgs kind of like sit mm-hmm. it encourages you also to create artifacts so mm-hmm. this is where we kind of encourage you to like put the book down go outside take a photo do a sketch record a little audio bite a little video bite basically whatever you can get your hands on to kind of make something Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of talk about a lot in, in the book with our events that are going to happen during the game. So rather than kind of like a diary of terrible things happening, mm-hmm. you get this very creepy scrapbook forming mm-hmm. um, filled with all kind of weirdness and kind of goodness, sometimes with a burnt doll's head on the side as well. <laughs> and you kind of play as this character and you kind of play through and you will eventually end up facing off against this entity. Mm-hmm. Your character may live, your character may die. But no matter what happens, your game, your record then gets passed on mm. um, because you can defeat the entity, but the game never really properly ends. Mm. Um, it can end for your character when they die. However, the next person or the next character you create can pick up your record and then start the whole process again. Mm. So this idea of that, you're kind of passing the curse on. There's also an element of your character survives and you just don't want to deal with it anymore. You can bury your record and then it's discovered by somebody else or you send it away to try and stop it coming for you once again. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where we start to transmogrify away from like a solo RPG. Yeah. And it starts to turn into something that's a little bit more multiplayer or has a community aspect to it. It's just mm-hmm. a bit that um I've been kind of very, very interested in is that if I create a cursed record, my character survives, but I go, oh no, I don't I don't want this to continue with me anymore. I can then pass it to my friend who also has the kind of core rule book and say, this is my record. You are now cursed. And then yeah. you pass that curse on. And then what happened? And then they can read your record and they can use that as a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. They can make references to stuff that's happened in your record. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea with this is that through a network of solo play, we create a multiplayer community of a big web of interconnected creepy stories Mm. um, where people kind of keep playing, sharing and bouncing off one another's kind of creepy ideas. So, so that's the fundamental element of it. That's don't play this game. Um, (laughs) It's it's going to be coming out in early October is the plan. Well, um, Kickstartering in early October, I should say. Are, are you someone that plays solo RPGs? Is it like, because it's the thing, because obviously you go from Shiver, which is obviously mm. what I would see as, as a traditional, in quotation marks, like RPG, that you you have a, a facilitator that is running the game, et cetera, and you, you get to a story point. Whereas mm. so I, I just wondered, is this your first foray into 
doing solo RPGs? Have you played lots of them before? So I played a lot when I was about 13. So me and Barney, so my brother um, and business partner, we were very big into the Steve Jackson like mm-hmm. fighting fantasy, like choose your own adventure books were yes. like a big thing for us, mm-hmm. which have those kind of like kind of proto solo RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of fell away from them for a bit. And then more recently I picked up um, Colossal, um, mm-hmm. which is one that I've been playing, which I love. It's amazing. It's incredible. So yeah. And had a lot of my friends in the RPG community talk to me more about the solo RPGs that we're playing during the pandemic as well. And it was something I was quite curious about. And I have a bunch on my shelf that I am yet to play. Yep, um, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which is the one that I'm looking forward to a lot to play. Apothecaria, that's it. Little oh, Animal Doctor. Yes, really it looks, it looks yeah. super cute. It looks beautiful yeah. art in that as well. Yeah. You're right, because that's the thing. It's like solo RPGs, they tend to be more sort of solemn and reflective. So instantly that sort of format lends itself really well to horror. And I, yeah. I too, in the same thing in the pandemic, I was playing quite a lot of solo RPGs, which were about sort of like the horror aspect about finding Mm. things underground there was one particularly called twain where you imagined that you had a twin that Mm. went that you used to do magic together with and then they went off and did something else and then you don't speak anymore and you you don't do magic anymore and like how does that Mm. life look like now and it gets you to a point where you do like like you said you play through the game and stuff and you go somewhere because you have a dream that your twin wants to speak to you there and Mm. then you just record what happens in that 30 minutes before they call you uh mm. and it it was just such an interesting one because it obviously heightened the pandemic as well so there was lots of other feelings around and so i was in a park by myself yeah. and it was just like i don't think they're coming <laughs> like it was yeah. it was it really it, it's definitely an interesting way to explore mm. stories that you, you don't know if you you have in you it's which i know sounds like a really weird thing to say mm. but it's just a way to sort of explore those themes in a, in a safe way so yeah I'm, I'm a massive fan of solo rpgs myself they're a great way to kind of prod and poke the kind of creative center of your brain in ways mm. that you don't necessarily expect mm-hmm. and i think the thing i was noticing with solo rpgs is that there was the, the ones that I'd encountered so far, there, there was, I, I think you're right, definitely that reflective solemnness. But I hadn't landed on anything that was right. really, I want to scare the crap out yes. of myself. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I wanted because I'm a, I'm a nutter. Um, <laughs> like, and I love horror. I remember the, one of the first conversation and um, it's, it's funny because it's something that came up uh, with a play tester as well. And it's a quote that Barney loved of like when I was trying to pitch it to Barney mm. of like kind of what it was of trying to explain it when I had the idea. And I just said, imagine a solo RPG where it's kind of more like Pokemon Go and it encourages you to go outside, but make creepy stuff and mm. like, you know, have a found footage horror adventure yeah. by yourself. And then when we started playtesting it, we had someone say, it's like, oh yeah, this is like Pokemon Go, but if you were trying to find the Blair Witch, and oh. you won't catch her she'll just kill you <laughs> and, that is like, fab. and we were like that's that's it that's exactly what we wanted it to be because mm-hmm. um a lot of this for me ties back to like when i was growing up and i grew up in derbyshire anyone who knows derbyshire in the midlands there's not a crazy amount of stuff to do um but there's a lot of like abandoned railways like decaying old mm-hmm. um kind of like industrial buildings and things and as kids we'd tool around on bikes wander around the countryside and find weird stuff and have mm. slightly odd encounters like mm. out in the countryside and the kind of i guess like the remnants of our industrial revolution like around mm. us and that was a really big part for me of that i kind of wanted to capture that 
sense of adventure and quite creepiness and that uncertainty of what was going to happen mm -hmm. um, when you kind of like walk out your front door to like go and explore and give you a a way through a solo RPG game to explore those feelings again with a narrative and use it to generate a narrative, but also give you that push to get mm. outside and do something and wander about and, and explore your local area. Absolutely. Like whilst I've been like testing this, like I, there's like a big load of railway sidings down mm. where, where I live. And I go there looking at the old box cars and kind of scrub forests and bit, bits around there, rusty pipes, all sorts. It definitely came out as well of like, I think I started having this feeling near the back end of the pandemic where I was just going out into fields or just random scrubland around where I was living and just walking around, seeing what I could find, some kind of source of entertainment. And it very much reminded me of what I was doing, you know, when I was like in my early teens. Yeah. And it's like trying to kind of capture that kind of with gameplay mm. as well as kind of like that storytelling part of my brain. So one thing I'm trying to do as a, an improviser just now, I'm doing quite a few sort of teaching workshops and stuff. And one thing uh, I've been asked to teach quite a bit of is world building. Mm. And I think there's so much that we can take from our current surroundings and stuff, mm. which is not necessarily, you know, high fantasy or, or eldritch horror, etc. Mm. And just hearing what you describe and stuff there, I'm instantly thinking of those like... Um, informational uh films where it's just like don't climb up uh pylons don't you know it's that sort of like oh don't go on abandoned railways because you'll get hurt and then you can instantly get the horror stories that some Amazing. kid died you know all that sort of thing and it's just and like you said that sort of nostalgia almost going back to a certain point in all of our childhood certainly it feels like in the uk in america probably has something similar as well but just that having that sort of feel that you can just build upon that feeling of your own world and then being able to document it down. It's a very unique experience and very immersive. And I, I really like that. And yeah, it does feel like you said, the Pokemon Go element with that sort of almost laughing element and just going mm, out and pretending yeah. this, this thing's happened, which I always, I always, I'm always a fan of games that, yeah, that's the thing. Like there's nothing wrong with the journaling aspect of it at all, but it's always mm, nice when you yeah. go out and you see the world with a different view. Like you see these like immersive performances or where you, where you have like a secret earphone and they tell you to watch the man with the briefcase and you, you see them and they're like, oh, follow the person and you you go and find whatever the story is in a huge public space like a trafalgar square or something and i just anything like that really piques my interest on on that especially if it's a solo one as well because yeah you can do it in your own time and it's your based on your experiences i find it funny you mentioned um british psa's because that mm. is definitely um it's something kind of me i've been talking about with some of my friends uh recently as well because i think there is like a very interesting kind of folk horror thread that runs mm. through all of this of that you're kind of almost going into the remnants of your local area areas that are maybe kind of falling away kind of into the past mm. and the way that i see this is that you're generating your own folklore in yes, a way absolutely and although it can jump from place to place is that like i think the more you engage with the environment around you especially with this game the more that bleeds in and kind of comes out like that's what i found kind of with testing mm -hmm. the more i try and do it in a specific place with a specific history with a specific feel or vibe to it whether it's you know an old steel mill to a coal mine to mm -hmm. a big stretch of like scrubland forest like there's you know i mean you could do this in a city center as well there's mm -hmm. dark corners little kind of you know alleyways everywhere where you can kind of find mm -hmm. these kind of like little moments of horror definitely but yes no the public service announcement thing is i think is a very it's a very british form of folk horror it's what i said that i, that I yeah. very much vibe i always remember the um the donald pleasance one 
if you've seen it, I'm, that's, I'm the spirit of dark and dangerous water. <laughs> that one, it just yeah. yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> and I think the the most famous was the Apaches, where it's kids playing on a oh. farm and it's harrowing as hell. I, I w- watched that again recently for like yeah. some. Uh, I say research, <laughs> I say, and it is brutal. Mm. It is, cre- yeah. and they've got this like everyone's setting up this like, oh, it's a birthday party happening, and it's nobody's there because all the kids have died on this farm. You're like, bloody hell, it's oh, just. Yeah. But then, and then on the opposite side of it, you have like, uh, you know, the like Charlie says, so the creepy sort of cat animation who like oh, talks yeah. and stuff like that. And there was like that Inside Number Nine episode, which sort of took inspiration from that. And so all those sort of those vibes and stuff like that, you can easily easy infuse into a solo game like this. And just to move on a little bit, that the yeah, the legacy aspect mm. and handing it over to stuff. There's any other one of the solo RPG that I can think of doing that does something similar, which is called the machine, and that mm. is where you are possessed to make something yeah. but it's just it's just a, it's a very straightforward just like a two-pager doesn't mm. add too much to it and I, I i do like it as a as a way that you create your record you use cards etc and then by the time you pulled free card free certain types of cards then your story is over in one way or another and then you pass on your notes to the next person who is driven mm. to make the machine but that is very i do find that one a little bit more abstract because obviously yeah. it's like what kind of machine and you know it's it's all about it's not it's a very short rpg so you know two pages so it's not like it's asking the world but i think with this instantly it hooks into like what's local to you like you said that's sort of local mm-hmm. folklore aspect so maybe it's a little, little bit more grounded than that one but i love that idea of like passing on your records or your thing to someone else and then starting this chain because it feels very much like a like a horror like yeah like paranormal activity or anything like that where you're sort yeah. of linking to what happened before and see if you could find an end to the cycle when there's not probably going to be an end to the cycle unless everyone's yeah. died, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the, the scream rules of that, you know, it's like everyone dies at the end, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, the, the kind of found footage aspect of it, I think that's definitely where the cinema side of things in my mm-hmm. brain definitely comes in with this one. Mm-hmm. With the legacy stuff as well, it's something we've been talking about as well is that I very much like the the solo and then it kind of spreads through the community aspect but we are looking at kind of including notes as well of being like if you and a friend want to go and do this together or like you know like you and a few friends you know how can you basically do a collective record like how Mm. does that work I mean one of the things that I've floated to to Barney um, as although I'm kind of trying to figure out how to actually shape it kind of into into rules kind of Mm. currently for for this this little multiplayer addendum Mm. is like having a text chain between you so it's basically being like this is the prompt this thing has happened mm. like have a text conversation and mm. then you can you know take that text conversation oh, cool. and that goes in your record um, cool. as part of it or like you know you leave voice notes for one another mm. that are to do with stuff that's happened like even th- there being a case of like you know you do more prompts but you take turns so it's an entity that's haunting all of you but it's eeny meeny mying moeing um, free wall and kind of building up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. I'm excited with the level of flexibility, I think, for yeah. how people can play the game, whether it's like in a small group, solo, or like kind of meeting up and kind of like talking about the legacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, so like, you know, almost if you had 10 people in the chain, you could do a, a meet up and then kind of read through and like kind of talk about everyone's story um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of and see what the collective story is when you put it all together and mm-hmm. what it kind of looks like. Yeah, and then I I think finally there's the the multimedia aspect of this. Yes, I think yeah. is what I'm so because I think you're completely right. I there, there's nothing wrong with journaling at all. Like I think the jour- journaling side of it is is like the bedrock. It's a really really great foundation. Mm-hmm. But the kind of inner film nerd in me was kind of thinking about. I love these 
kind of found footage movies, you're right where you're kind of like trying to follow the lead and you find something creepy, whether it's like a little audio recording, you get sent like a weird image, you take a photo and there's something just there in the corner that you didn't notice when you took the photo. You see something at night and you try and scribble it down or, you know, a child draws something horrific in crayon and hands nope. it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. All, all of those, yeah, those little um, kind of tidbits, those clues that just make you go nope, that make your stomach drop. It's like, yeah, I wanted a way to kind of have that be created and i'm really excited to see if we can kind of get a community built around this and start growing what people's approaches are mm. so like i've been talking to like expanding our our play testers in that regard so i have a friend who's really into her polaroid photography so mm. i'm going to ask her do you want to play it through and then every time you make an artifact can you do a polaroid mm-hmm. and put that in and show that's what it looks like obviously we have um our artist ben so we're going to have a conversation with him about um being you know, just do light light sketches, mm-hmm. um, and do and do sketches as your artifacts as your thing, and we can see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then I, there is a potential for some marketing. I may be doing one and leaning into my film background a little <gasps> bit more. So because because I'm thinking in my brain, it's like yeah, no, this is a way to sustainably part out making your own found footage little horror movie. Yeah. Where you could record a conversation like this, you can film something on your phone mm. and then tie it all together. Um, you could even have film nights of, oh. of like of people who have done. Oh, that'd be so cool. Things. I love that. Yeah, because that, that brings up sort of stuff like because obviously like TikTok horror and, and Instagram mm. horror, like I'm sure you've seen uh, the Grimace birthday shake sort of folklore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am obsessed with it. So for those people who are, who have been living under a rock, obviously because it's not a UK thing, it's a US thing, where basically mm-hmm. Grimace, one of the uh, uh, McDonald's mascots, it's their birthday. So they release a special shake and everyone's like, oh, happy birthday, Grimace. And they're drinking it. And then it just cuts to all the bad things that comes out of it. And some of it is Grimace appears and kills you or you turn into Grimace or, or any of these things that are just not explained. And it's just just having that as the medium of like giving this sort of urban legend out there. Oh, it's fascinating, and and people go to proper extremes, like you said. Like it could be easily like a full film when you're like it's like Five Nights at Freddy's or anything like that. It's just like the amount of work that goes into like a one minute yeah. clip, and I'm just there going like that's really cool. And so yeah, I 100 would love to see ways to tell stories that are through different mediums. Obviously through podcasting, obviously that's one way we do it, and that's what I do with solo RPGs. I usually speak out what the thoughts are, and then read out I read out the entry that I've written down. But I know like with um. I was going to say with the with sort of like this with the sort of mediums of like um I've been reading some books called uh like the appeal and the Twyford Code and they are written in uh different ways that they're not written as stories they're written as like transcripts of audio files or they're written mm-hmm. as emails with then people having a text conversation so I love the ability to tell a story through that sort of medium where you the person are reading it and you're 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 uncovering it and going having that sort of sudden drop going oh god there's something else in this so I can imagine yeah having like a note Notion page, a shared Notion page, or a shared Word document where you put bung all your stuff mm-hmm. in together, and people doing comments on the side, going, "Wait, is this not related to so and so?" Or first uh, example of the entity has appeared, etc. And just having that ongoing conversation, just a different way of sharing that story. So yeah, kudos. It's I'm already very very excited for when I actually do my like, let's play of it. <laughs> I think that's the thing. It's it's definitely got me feeling excited about mm. not just the project, but I think it's very much what stories people are going to tell with this and mm-hmm. i think it was similar like when we were working on shipper is that a way that i kind of feel feel about game design as a game designer in general is that a lot of the stuff that we kind of make and do is 
providing frameworks that enabled people to tell their own stories and to mm -hmm. tell them in interesting and fun ways and maybe make it easier and more accessible than mm -hmm. kind of where, where they're kind of current sitting with, with storytelling. Mm -hmm. I think this this kind of opens it up in in a completely different way in terms of uh, interfacing kind of more with um, traditional art mediums, but also technology as well, mm -hmm. like in a massive way. I mean, we were just talking about it kind of amongst ourselves and we were kind of realized like, Oh yeah, we pretty much like even on like I have a garbage phone. Like my phone is old as hell, but nearly like every phone has some form of a free memo app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's like just doing that and having a chain of memos mm -hmm. that you do. Like you walk somewhere and you record yourself. I mean, we we were talking about it very much of um Twin Peaks is definitely a bit of an influence on this one. Yes, of course. Of, of the kind of little memo recorder, which I really want to get myself a tactile one and just Absolutely. go wander around to go, Diane. Um, <laughs> I'm in a woods right now. I'm not too sure how I got here. Um, I'm not wearing any shoes and my feet are dirty. It's, 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 that would be yeah. so awesome. Yeah, because again, it just gets adds to that immersive experience for you. So yeah, yeah. yes, I, I approve of this expense that you're going to put out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what can we expect from the book itself? So we talked about a little bit like, is there a character creation? Is it just yourself? Is there, uh, I, I saw the, in the brief sort of quick start, I saw there's like a, a character sheet, but called an anchor. So what, what do we, what can we expect from the the final book, if you don't mind? sharing stuff like that in terms of kind of like when you're creating your character the way that it works is that you're working through a bunch of different events so what tends to happen is that at the start um if this isn't present in the quick start just to kind of be clear yes, no, absolutely, uh, because yeah. it's compressed there's no rolling um to kind of move between prompts mm -hmm. in the full version there you start off with an initial role that basically tells you what terrible thing happens to you that kicks things off and kind of starts the game mm -hmm. this can be a death a disappearance some form of tragedy um something awful mm -hmm. the character creation at the start um is very very simple as well it's basically you're, you're picking like certain things so you have um resources so they're things that can come up that you can use so just an example of that if somebody dies um in the full book there is a resource that you can gain if you go down a certain path, which is inherited wealth. Um, so you get a little pot of money, which yeah. you can put ticks by mm. on certain prompts to be like, okay, I'm going to install a nice home security system with cameras, <laughs> which will become important later. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and kind of the, these elements. So you kind of have resources. Mm. Um, you also can gain friends. Mm. These are characters that you can pull in and kind of uh, like kind of have you, them help you in your investigation um, in various different ways we then have artifacts so these tend to be the things that you make or kind of create a physical kind of embodiment whether it's a sketch a photo a sculpture voice recording something like that they can be a help they can mm. be a hindrance they mm. kind of stick kind of in the hinterland and then you also have um, fears and you have secrets um, mm. as well you have too many secrets they might come back to bite you fears might make things harder um if you're kind of encountering a fear or if it feels kind of contextually appropriate mm -hmm. when you start out um it guides you through kind of what re what resource you may start with what friend you may start with um and then your starting prompts tend to take sometimes take something away um and sometimes they give you something new so mm -hmm. for example um there's a prompt called disappearances where you have a friend or a resource or something that has disappeared from you mm -hmm. whether it's like you know a precious photo album or your best friend literally what it says in the book uh, at this current point is write that down put a line through it mm, oh so it's God. on your sheet but it's gone. gone scratched out and it might come back 
I don't know. Um, uh, that's up to you to try and find out. But then you find, you know, in terms of that, you know, you go to missing persons, uh, kind of like a missing persons group um, mm-hmm. or, or, or some form of kind of like grief counseling. Maybe you meet somebody there and then you gain a friend mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. who is, symp- is a sympathetic here who's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes from there. So there's, there's a big flux of like you gain these things, these different elements that you record on your anchor. Mm-hmm. We call it an anchor simply because the first part of the book, Quick the Quick Start does this as well, addresses you as it is someone who has played the game Mm. has potentially disappeared and they're trying to help you out Mm. um and the thing that they created for themselves was an anchor um because when things their entity really starts to toy with you and play with your mind it's very very easy to lose track of things including reality Mm. so having a sheet that is your anchor was is, is a way to kind of note down the clues all of those elements that I've kind of just talked about, mm. and also how you doing, like how, how yeah. like how your because yeah. because <laughs> you can die, like the entity can definitely kill you, mm-hmm. and there is an element of like when you're kind of going through an event, there's usually three stages of things that you're kind of reacting to, mm. so. The first one may gain you something. The second one may have a challenge where it's going to get you to roll like a certain dice. Um, sometimes you'll gain something. Sometimes you'll lose something. If that could be anything from like, you know, destroy one of your artifacts kind of permanently to avoid taking harm kind of in this certain scenario. Mm-hmm. Or it may be something even more grisly of being, if you don't do this, um, you'll lose a huge amount of health unless you push a friend in the way. So there are some really, really dark decisions mm. and choices that you have to make. And obviously, um, in the full game, you're, it prompts you at the end to roll a dice, move on to the next event. Right. And then right. that kind of gives us this element of that. There are going to be many, many, many events. So in the quick start, there's currently 10 and you play it in like a continuous chain. Mm-hmm. When you play it in the book, you roll different dice and it takes you through different stages of events that I won't reveal because they're more of like what's going on in the background. I think that's oh, not cool. very in the forefront, but mm. in terms of um my screenwriting like film brain, yes. I have broken it up into terms of how these things pace in terms of intensity. Oh. So when you're rolling, it should hopefully rough from what I'm kind of gathering so far, roughly mm. pace itself to what it feels like playing through a feature length kind of found footage film. Oh, fab. The ups and the downs and, yeah. the, and your kind of big finale as well. So there are bands of intensity, as I have oh. called them. Um, oh, of like, you know, like I can reveal like what like what there is at the start. There is low level spookiness, which is a certain number of prompts where you can land on a couple. And then when you land on the kind of a certain ones, you'll be rolling a high dice and it's going to move you into the next part of the story. And then you carry on. Oh, okay. Because it was something I was thinking about for a long time yeah. with these kind of like roll and write kind of approach to solo RPGs. Mm. How do you embrace the randomness of it? So then there is almost like a near infinite amount of replayability, mm-hmm. but also kind of pace out an experience. Because mm-hmm. I think, as I've kind of said before, when it comes to Shiver and my general thoughts on, on games, I like things that end, like that have a definitive ending. Done, yeah. um, and even though these stories carry on and create their own sequels there is a definitive end for that character of either death or get rid of it and pass it on yeah i agree so that was kind of how what i figured out was the banding and having to do a horrible amount of maths to figure out like kind of the (laughs) the 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 kind of okay so maximum i'll be you'll be within a band for like three prompts if you could just keep rolling ones for example Mm, mm -hmm. um but then it will you know up your probability to jump into another band and like mm-hmm. keep that pacing keep that flow mm-hmm. going 
That's so cool. So that's what I'm playing around with. And it seems mm. to be kind of having a really nice effect so far of giving you that very kind of nice, tight kind of horror experience that yeah. feels like you're playing a kind of your very own horror movie where you are the star trying to survive. I definitely get that because I'm a massive fan, as I know you are, of found footage stuff mm. and making those connections. Stuff. But yeah, you're right. They always start oh, don't worry about it, everything's fine. And then they, it's the slow ramp up. And if you aren't au fait with those sort of films, sometimes it can be really difficult to be like, what, what is what is too much horror, what is not, and just balancing mm. it right. So I think that's so cool to have those sort of bands to to slowly guide the, the players along because you use, uh, in this game, it's, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, so you use all the polyhedral set, right? All seven dice yeah. for various things. Oh, that's so exciting because most, again, most solo RPGs only use like one or two to, mm. uh, to do it. So to use the whole set, that already I'm like that's very cool, but also incredibly terrifying. Why do you need to use all seven of them? <laughs> yeah, well, it's for kind of multiple reasons, is what mm. I'll say. Like the yes, the polyhedral, the multi polyhedral allowed us to do those when we needed to. When you hit like an end band to do a bigger jump into the next band, right? Um, okay, to. cool. But also, it means you can play around massively with how you actually structure challenge, mm. and then you know like. You can do stuff like get rid of an artifact or a key resource, and you can use a bigger dice mm -hmm. um, for this challenge. And at the moment, you're starting on a D4. So yeah. how much do you want to sacrifice for this? Mm -hmm. um, so it starts to introduce some, it, as, as I feel that in kind of all kind of like horror stuff, like choice and consequence is just such a big thing. And yes. if it does feel like you're just, you're not contributing as many choices to kind of like your own survival, mm -hmm. I think that really dips down the immersion. So mm -hmm. we really wanted to kind of provide as many options as possible of being that like, you get to decide the medium of your artifacts, mm -hmm. which also like kind of just keeps it as open and accessible. Yeah. Like if you don't have a camera, fine. If like yeah. you just need pencil and paper, sketch stuff, even if it's a stick man, I'd argue that's more terrifying. Oh, um, yeah. Mm -mm. It's like creepy, creepy <laughs> stick men scrawled like very hey, hastily. I, I remember that, the Babadook, and I'm like, no, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 obviously you're still finishing up obviously i know with the kickstarter you're doing certain things mm. has there been any sort of big challenges that you've found with the writing process because obviously you've designed written and done the artwork for this particular book but is there anything that you're like this i found this tricky but you know it's been a worthwhile to overcome that obstacle so to speak so the mode of address was one of the biggest challenges so i wrote it neutrally first like a yes, standard rule book yeah of course and i was like this is fine this works really well and then me and barney were talking and then we were talking about because I'd written some other bits that were like excerpts as as it was, I'd played the game, I'd managed to just get away and I was trying to help you out yeah. um, kind of thing. But then everything else was framed neutrally. And Barney was like, I really like this. Mm. Can you write the entire thing like that? Mm. And I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> and it was because it's so different from yes. any mode of address that I've done before, because it's such an odd mixture. And then also you have that voice, um, like what I've called like the survivor's voice, who's the kind of key guiding voice, but it keeps getting interrupted by the entity's voice yep. as well, who will occasionally, no they will occasionally just put in a kind of like, oh, that's enough of that now. Like we're going to play a game. Don't yes. listen to that person. Yeah. That this is us now, which oh. we do with like different font styles and different things of like almost like kind of this. So you get these dueling narrators, yeah. um, that kind of come in, and your events are, are very much the entity mm. that they, they are more neutral, um, 
in terms of how they're written, just to be clear. So in terms yes. of like you're rolling this dice, you're you're doing this. However, they have like this tone of like the entity's kind of giving you a brief description of what it's done to you or is mm. going to do to you, um, depending on on kind of like how you see the past, present, and future mm-hmm. kind of things of how it interacts with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think that was the biggest challenge. Mm. And it took me a while to get that right. Yes. Um, I think getting the two different modes of voices and making them blend together and also making sure that we weren't sacrificing clarity of rules and how to play the game absolutely with that creative and like artistic expression of like making it creepier Mm. and what i'm hoping we've done like where we've landed because it's kind of what we've done in the quick start is that it gives you this very informal instructor that feels very much already part of the world and already starts your immersion straight away as you're learning the rules which is which is what we wanted that i'd say is the most difficult thing um but yeah. I, i'm really excited to see what people think of that uh, yeah i was gonna say like it, it it comes through incredibly well on the quick start and i yeah. i've been one of those people when i've read other books which use the sort of like first person stuff, and sometimes i'm like mm, i don't like it but obviously this it works for this and you're right it's such a, a good balance and to get it right so yeah i can only imagine how challenging that was but you've done such a cracking job with quick start so i am looking forward to that sort of flavor throughout the the core book so yeah no no i i was like yeah that totally makes sense that is really difficult to do to me because you're right because you don't want to break that immersion uh per se but sometimes you're like just roll the d4 <laughs> like just yeah. you know you gotta you gotta balance that right so that, yeah you don't want to sacrifice it at the sake of this but still make it like a like almost like this is the whole thing with your stuff is like it feels like it's part of real life it is just like one degree uh, next uh, etc is that this could happen and people disappear without explanation all that sort of thing so you want to make it feel as yeah. lifelike as possible with of course just to sort of cycle back a little bit the safety tools and stuff which i'm again very pleased to see i appreciate you would have done you do this anyway with your games but yeah. having an actual couple of pages right at the beginning talking about the safety and the personal check-in a lot of solo rpg yeah. games obviously do have these tools and stuff but you'd be mm. surprised i've been reading through quite a lot of, sort of quick starts race recently and some of them don't have it and maybe it's because they're a bit older perhaps as well but it's such a delight to see to be like so this game is scary <laughs> yeah. please look after yourselves please do a personal check-in please do all that so yeah i just want to say thank you for that because sometimes oh, it, you. you don't have that in quick start sometimes which is mm. uh it's a shame because it's just, it's such yeah. a simple thing just to put in for one page and then yeah. and then get going with the game it was a big point for me that had to be in the and up front and the thing that when we changed the mode of address mm-hmm. as well it's the only part of the book really that's written fully neutrally because we're yes. like we don't want any misunderstanding here of no. being like okay before you jump in this is a scary game it's it's intended for solo kind of in the majority there is a lot of stuff kind of in here that's quite dark quite heavy mm-hmm. and like being immersed and being scared like can be really really fun but we didn't want to have people go too far down the dark path with things and, and so so we kind of developed like ideas of just being like hey do free events and like just have a check-in just being like mm. am i enjoying this am i still like this is just a game and it's like if you ever start to feel that those like kind of elements aren't are, those lines are blurring a bit for you because obviously we were very cognizant of the fact that this is a spooky game which is very different from when we kind of do with shiver where you sit down you create a world and you inhabit that world yes this absolutely. one is very much as you say in the words of rocky horror it's just a jump to the left um where, <laughs> where you are looking at your own world mm-hmm. through slightly different eyes inspired by what this book is kind of prodding you to do mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that you that there was there was there was safety tools in place up front that mm-hmm. that no one would kind of start to feel too uncomfortable or didn't feel safe mm-hmm. and obviously there's loads of things of, of where we go like 
find the abandoned building, go out and take a photo and things. And we just talk about being like, hey, like if you go into a park and you want to go at night, like maybe don't do that or or like yeah. you know bring someone with you like like careful, like just yeah. think think about your own physical safety because there mm. is if you want to with this game there is a physical exploratory element mm. and with going out into the wild there is always like some level of danger and we just yeah. wanted to make sure that people were balancing that immersion with their own safety as well was very very important to us what comes to mind is like there's the running app Zombies Run, which is obviously 10 years of that so far. And at the beginning, it always says like, please be aware of your own safety because there's a mode where the zombies, in quotation marks, chase you and you have to speed up. But it's yeah. like, please be careful where you're speeding up. Don't run across a road. Don't do it. You know, be aware of your surroundings because it will obviously say, oh, go towards that building on the left. But you're like, oh, there's no building on the left. It's like, it's fine. It's all about being in the space and stuff. So yeah, having to have that up at forefront going your surroundings might not match what's happening in those prompts but you've got to, you've got to look after your own welfare on that front mm. so yeah and having it yeah like you said that i could i can imagine oh yeah let's go explore the park or whatever abandoned thing at night you're like mm. cool but also let's talk about it let's let's just yeah. think about it a little bit so yeah no and i'm very appreciative of that i think just to sort of finally finally sort of finish off this interview obviously we've spoken a lot about sort of the different inspirations for this uh the book and the sort of power footage stuff i was wondering would you recommend any films books tv shows that could could would fit the vibe of don't mm. play this game um i know we I, like i've already gone like paranormal activity uh yeah. you've said blair witch etc but is there any any other sort of uh film or, or me, multimedia perhaps that you would go check this out this could be quite uh this could feed into that well, whilst we're waiting for the kickstarter so to speak absolutely um one that came out whilst i was developing the game that i was like this this is exactly what i was vibing with is incantation oh i haven't heard of that one no it's it's on netflix i think it's i think it's a, it's a taiwanese horror film it's all to do with ritual magic curses terrible things happening very 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 good there's also um an early mike flanagan film um, from Haunting of Hill House, um, mm. Midnight Mass, called Absentia, um, mm. which is to do with people disappearing in a subway tunnel that goes underneath a busy road. And that is, although not of not a found footage film, mm -hmm. is very much uh, kind of in that vein. Like Japanese horror, I think, has definitely been a big influence on me for this one. Like kind of yeah. with the ones I grew up with, like obviously like Ringu, um, uh, mm. Jew on the Grudge. Uh, Cairo as well, Pulse oh, definitely yeah, Pulse. has some of the creepiest scenes I can kind of think of and has that kind of urban exploratory element to it mm -hmm. slightly mm -hmm. um, if anyone who has not seen Cairo or who have done, when the guy goes down into the basement um, in Cairo, if you know what I mean then that is that is the tone of, of creepiness that I want to land nope. on <laughs> <laughs> It's a goodie, but anything with like a really strong investigative element as well. Yeah. Um, so one I watched recently that I really appreciated for that investigative element, or oh, that's a huge tonal mishmash of stuff, but in the most beautiful way is The Wailing. You have seen Ooh, it, so it's a South yeah. Korean horror movie. I would kind of say it's like the South Korean Exorcist, but just as good. It's fantastic. Like I'd really, really recommend that. I think I'll probably stop there because I'll just keep listening. I know, you're, you're the same I, like I, me going, I've got all this. <laughs> don't worry, well, I've added all those to my Netflix and various channels. I was like, these sound great. Yeah, that inc uh, incantation one, I was like, that sounds incredible. I'll shout out one, one English director. Yes. Um, I would say Ben Wheatley. Um, yes. So stuff like um, Kill List, 
filled in England uh, with the kind of like slightly kind of more trippy rural yeah. element to it. Definitely kind of, I would say, one of our best and brightest like kind of like folk horror directors uh, kind mm-hmm. of at the minute. But there are also ones that people have recommended to me that I have not seen yet, such as Men, Innis Men. Yes. Like Bait and a couple of others uh, of, of, of kind of like more kind of gritty kind of folk horror as well so they're on my explore list as well yeah i can imagine like stuff like hereditary and obviously midsummer but i yeah i've seen um i've seen men because uh, that's on mm. amazon prime just now and mm. yep it's yeah. it's terrifying no thanks yeah. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> well brilliant thank you so much charlie for spending uh lovely i mean i i could just talk about horror with you all the time and i know that's what you do as a, for your living as well but um <laughs> so where can we find don't play this game when is it coming out on kickstarter and where can we find parable games on social medias and the like okay um so um for our core website for parable games you can check us out at www.parablegames.co.uk we're on twitter x whatever it is um this color of the month um <laughs> at, at games parable um we'll see if it's still branded that by the end of whenever mm-hmm. this goes out but yes but at, at games parable you can find parable games um as well as uh shiver rpg um on facebook um and instagram um as well at, at shiver um rpg mm-hmm. we'll be posting a load of stuff on there um the social media accounts for don't play this game um are live um as well but we are posting about it on all of those um things so just to find if you search don't play this game um hopefully it will start to kind of pop up um i say our kickstarter follow page is also now live so if you search don't play this game on kickstarter you will find us and you can follow it follow us and we would very very much appreciate it Mm -hmm. the quick start is also now live if you go to what did Barney do with the website? It was a very funny thing. I had it. A, yeah, it's like, hang on. I I had it, it. It's like www.don'tplaythisgame, but ga.me. Yes. You can use that to, um, if you uh, sign up to our kind of mailing list, you will get a quick start to play, which is 10 events, which are full stories for you to play. So you can get a real sense of what the game is like in, in a kind of its smallest format and mm-hmm. see if it's for you. Excellent. Oh, well, thank you so much, Charlie. It's been a pleasure to have you back. And I, I can't wait to see you at the next con and be like, what yeah. the fuck is that game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and compare notes and all of our films. But yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me again. Cheers. I'm hoping to do more of these special Q&A bonus episodes in the future, including Q&As on the one-shots we've run here at What Am I Rolling? If you have a question or think of an RPG designer you'd like to see interviewed on this podcast, let us know via our email address. That's whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Great. See you next time.